Hello, and welcome again to the Kinky Boys podcast. For this episode, we are talking polyamory. And we have some great guests. We have Chris and Pup Catalyst on to talk about their experiences with it. But before we get into that, I, of course, have to thank our daddy's favorite level patrons. So that's Adam in NYC, Southern Suter, Hilary P, Ochnerb, Banjo Stewie, Adam F, and Harry Hypnotis. Just know you are daddy's favorite. Okay, so on with the show. So guys, welcome. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Tell people like who you are, like what you're into, that sort of thing? Yeah, so I guess I'll start off with. So hi, my name's Chris. I go by Lightvisor on Discord. And I'm really into the HypnoKinks community. So mm-hmm. that's that's and that's kind of how I found out about you the this podcast. So that's pretty exciting. Oh, glad to hear it. <laughs> Hey, I'm a pup catalyst. I'm Chris's partner. Uh, I'm a big service puppy. I'm into puppy play and I do a lot of volunteering in the kink and BDSM community. I'm a regular volunteer at our local fetish club. Nice. So yeah, so you guys, when I brought up, I wanted to talk with people about polyamory because it had been requested several times by different patrons and listeners. You guys quite eagerly volunteered, which I was really happy about. Yeah, actually, it was really funny. I just found your Discord and was going through, saw the post, and I was like, yeah, hi, I'm polyamorous and would be love, very, very happy to talk about it. So, Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, now, one thing I am going to say, in a lot of our questions about polyamory, people asked about like legal advice, which we on the podcast, we are not legal experts. We are not in a place to give legal advice, specifically like we also are an international podcast. So yeah, like any legal advice we could give would be localized. So we're not going to touch on that. We are going to touch more we're going to talk more about sort of the basics of what is polyamory, how it works, mechanics, techniques. Yeah. And uh, just to the point of the legalized thing or the legalese, <laughs> I'll bring it up probably at the end if that's so that people have fresh in their minds. But there's a lot of local uh, country organizations for polyamory that you can all reach out to. Oh, brilliant. I can put them in the show notes. Yeah. Cool. So let's start with the very basics. For anyone not familiar with the word, what is polyamory? Can I take this off? Yeah, I'll start here. So polyamory, I should have looked this up before I meant to, if it's Greek or Latin, but it's one of those words that we stole from another language in English. Mm-hmm. So poly is multiple, amory is loving, and it just means the, the act of having or loving multiple partners at once. Great. Cool. I, it's a thing. I think it's actually a combination of Roman and Greek. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's get into sort of more the weeds of polyamory. Like, so in our show notes, we have the words romantic and versus platonic love. Chris, do you want to take this? Yeah. So, so platonic love is what? Well, you've got romantic love, which people know as, you know, your romantic partner, your significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse. And then like platonic love is that connection to experience that you usually experience with your friends and family, people who 
you really care about them and you really do love how they, what they do and your relationship with them, but you don't necessarily want to have makeout sessions with them or I, I, depending on your feeling with your friends. I mean, some of my friends are really fun to make out with, but that's, that's pretty much the main difference between the two. And yeah, just having that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it it can be become a different thing because I know in different cultures, there's different feelings about that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Like, I always find it quite interesting. Have you ever read up on sort of the Greek um, words around love? No, but I did learn about where platonic comes from. Well, platonic's one of them, but they actually had a, a range of different kinds of love. Eros is erotic love. Yeah. There's platonic love, familial love, and... There's actually a few more. Let's see if I can do a quick Google search. Yeah, I I think I remember, I don't remember where I heard it, but that platonic love comes from Plato being a philosopher teacher who didn't have sex with his students and everyone thought that was weird. Not sure how. Yeah. I haven't actually like researched it at all, but they used to tease him about that. Anyway. Okay, so I've got a little list here. Apparently there's nine. So there's Eros, sexual desire. Philia, which is a soul connection, or like spiritual connection you feel with someone. Orge, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correct. It's S-T-O-R-G-E, which is devoted love. Typically relates to love within a family or very close friends. It's when you are very devoted to someone. Pragma, mature love, is essentially making a relationship work long term, like very, like where where we get the word pragmatism. Uh, You know, you see this in long term relationships. And I think this will come into polyamory later, being pragmatic about things. Ludus, which is playful love, uh, which is like the exciting new sort of fiery kind of love. Sort of the new relationship energy um, kind of thing. Yep. Yep. It, it's similar to Eros, but it's also like relationship, not just yeah. physical attraction. Mania, obsessive love, <laughs> which doesn't sound exactly quite healthy. No. <laughs> oh. And seven, Meraki, which is creative endeavors where you share love by doing projects together. Yeah. 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 I feel that's a bit of a stretch, but well, like I get it in sort of like a neurodivergent parallel play kind of. That's a great example. Yeah. 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 Philly, Philly, Phil, Ayutia, which is self love, which I think that's important. People will get that. It's a very good one. Oh God. And the last one, agape. <laughs> Sorry, my over my head. Agape. And what is what is that love? Yeah, agape is unconditional love. Kind of. So now, when a fister says he's agape, you know what he means. <laughs> I, I think there's a <laughs> that's a different twist on the, the the word, but you know, yeah. So yeah, those are the sort of different breakdowns of the kind of love you can have according to like yeah, the ancient Greek philosophy around it, which I think is helpful because we have a very mono sort of expa- like yeah. description of love 
Yeah. Like even in pop culture, saying like you love your friends is actually rarer than focusing purely on a single romantic partner. Yes. But I'm actually kind of really happy that there's a big push towards people being more comfortable saying that they they love their friends, they love their family and all that stuff. Yeah. Very healthy. Yeah, I definitely think we need to recognize that there are more relationships and deep connections you can have outside of purely romantic love. Yeah. And often like the barrier between the two is kind of permeable. Yeah. Like one thing you do when you get away from like monogamy, I found is like I have a lot of really close friends who are also fuck buddies. I love them not in a romantic way, but more than just a platonic way. And there's like gray spaces in between. I think I think that'll be good to talk about later when we get to the hierarchical words. <laughs> yes, that's pretty good. So yeah, let's we've talked about the types of love. So we have some notes here about the types of poly and mono relationships. I just want to double back for a second. The the reason we had the romantic versus platonic note in there is is comparing sort of the double standard people have where like you love both of your parents, if you have multiple siblings, you, you love them, you love all your grandparents. And there's like maybe you love some of them better than others, and that's their favorite. But like yeah. as soon as you get down to romantic love, people are like, no, there's only one person for me. I want one soul. And and so there's this sort of double standard in society where you can have platonic or, or non-romantic love for, for a bunch of people, but romantic love is, is supposed to be only for one person. And then you get... And polyamory is, is yeah. breaking down that barrier and saying, no, let's just love multiple people in a romantic way. Especially if you start to experience things like, oh, but how do I find just the one kind of deal? Yeah. That one person out of that billions who's specifically made for me, and we will never argue and never have to do any work in the relationship. And who fits in every little piece of my faceted life. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that can lead to some weird places. Have you heard about the documentary around the Soul Flame? No. Twin yeah. Flame Soul Cult? No. Oh, I've heard Twin Flame, I think, maybe. Yeah, basically it's sort of like this new age idea that she is redressing up soulmates, but like twin flame. Okay. And they sort of grew up this whole cult around it out of, I think, a dating service. Okay. Like there's a either Netflix or one of the other streaming services have sort of made a documentary around it. Hmm. As one does. Worth yeah. checking it out, I suppose. Definitely. But yeah, because like we live in a society that sort of prizes monogamy as the gold standard and lots of like even I think it's kind of interesting where people don't even think about how infrastructure in the world is built around monogamy and the idea people are in pairs. Like just booking a restaurant, everything's in fours booking airplane tickets it's like couples deals family deals but like if you're a thruple yeah often there is this uncomfortable thing of you kind of have to work around there being everything is set for two people how do you make a third person work in that and then it gets even further when you get into the full nuclear family where it's two parents two kids what happens yeah there's a third kid yeah that no and then you know what if you're a thruple and you're three adults and one kid and 
Yeah. It's been a problem for us just going on vacation. The number of hotels were like, no, two people, two adults per room. We don't really want three per room, even in a king-size bed. We're like, no, we can snuggle up in a king-size bed. Please please let us put three in a room. Yeah, that was, that was kind of the whole idea behind the vacation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just people aren't built for that. Not people, like, industries aren't built around that. Yeah. Which is weird because the more people, the more money you charge. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about open versus closed. What do those terms mean? Right. So the, this is some of these terms apply to both monoamorous and polyamorous relationships. So you can have both an open sexual relationship that's either closed romantically or open romantically as well. So yeah, so there's there's open versus closed and there's mono versus poly. And one of my, my little pet peeves is people saying monogamous when what they really mean is monoamorous. I love one person. Especially if you have an open relationship. You're you're monoamorous, but you're not monogamous. You don't have a closed relationship. Yeah. But you can also do closed poly, for example. You can have a quad or larger or however big a polycule you want and and still say, No, we're gonna we're gonna close it off. This is the the safer sexual preferences that we prefer and, and this is how we're gonna do it like whatever you want you can all of these things are like switches that you can toggle as different options in a relationship so you know monogamous closed sexual monoamorous is, is sort of the societal default but there's all these options to toggle additional preferences you can you can open it you can become poly you can do all these extra things and once you're poly there's other sub options like hierarchical versus non-hierarchical for example so chris do you want to talk about solo poly for a second actually before we break into yeah, I mean, so that that that's actually uh, probably a good time to talk about it because, like, there's a lot of people out there who don't have as high of a romantic connection with a lot of people, and so they just they have that that one person for that one thing that they really enjoy, and or they'll have multiple partners that they really enjoy different activities with, but the idea of being in a, a closed relationship kind of doesn't make them feel very comfortable. And so that's kind of the idea behind solo poly. Yeah. Is that you you really have this strong sense of that self-love and what you really enjoy and that you really get joy out of other people. But the idea of a relationship specifically with any one person feels uncomfortable. So I I have a lot of friends out there who are like, I don't know, I I just, I really enjoy spending a lot of time with people, but I don't want to be in a singular relationship and that I, do, I just, I don't want to feel like, you know, a, a sort of slut to all these people that yeah. want to spend time with me, like quality time with me, but I don't want to have that kind of relationship to them. And so I identify, I open up, I'm like, have you heard of solo poly? And then usually a few weeks later, I get a message back being like, so I'm solo poly and I'm really glad I can identify that as a term. So if you're out there and you, you really enjoy that kind of thing, definitely look up solo poly. There's, there's a lot of information on, on the internet about it. Yeah. And I think that touches on something wider, especially with like poly discussions, which is because we live in a world with like there is one single mold to have a relationship people don't even realize there are other ways until like you give them the words to describe that mm -hmm. and they realize that it has actually been an option yes. to do that 
it's like I see that a lot with also the phrases living together apart, where people maintain their own space and never have what we may call a nesting partner. Right. They never have the relationship progressed where people move in with them because they need and want to maintain their own private space. And they have a relationship or multiple relationships outside of that, but it never progresses to where they move in. Yeah. And that goes counter to like a lot of societal expectations where it is seen as a natural progression that at a certain point you and your, I don't know what to call it in terms your, of your significant life. other, your partner, yeah. person that you have that deep <clears throat> romantic feeling for should move into yeah. you. And that way you guys could live together because you obviously living together is the best way to show that you really care about each other. Yeah. And if you don't move in together, you don't love each other enough. Yeah, obviously. And it's like, that, that, oh. and it's like, no, some people just need to maintain their own level of space. Well, that, that was, the, that was, so when I first learned about Polly through Catalyst, his partner, who I got to meet at the time, lives alone by, by them. But Toby, Toby doesn't live alone. He likes having roommates, but he won't cohabitate with a romantic yeah, partner. Yeah. And, I, I, I personally found that very weird when I first started out, but after getting to know him and like understanding that I realized that it was a lot of the societal pressure of, if you have a romantic partner, you want to move in and live with them and spend as much time with them. But seeing how happy he was being comfortable and understanding himself really made me reevaluate where this pressure was coming from and really actually helped me understand self-love of myself too which is really cool that's brilliant yeah so shall we go through a few more sort of models of polyamory let's go through some more of those options we can toggle so yeah so So we've talked yeah i was gonna say the 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 main one that people tend to think understand is the 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 triad Mm -hmm. where you have the the, the couple and then there's a third person who joins the couple yeah. and they're all dating each other and everyone thinks oh yeah that's what the the main thing is but usually it's actually more of a one person dating the other and yeah, it, it ends v. up I, I kind of being more of like a, a polycule that that term was sort of brought up to me catalyst if you want to sort of talk about it more because what a, what a poly like where polycule comes from yeah yeah i think it's stolen from chemistry basically so it's not a molecule you're a polycule in the sense that you're like a, a group or a network of people who are connected through romantic relationships our polycule is quite ridiculously large i think we span yeah. canada norway the us that i know of currently uh, i've definitely lost track of the outer edges of where like my partner's partner's partners and so yeah i i, I think toby keeps uh a map something he was but it got really tiring to ex- to keep up dating the <laughs> network graph it was huge yeah and it does because it, it sort of embodies all these different connections and types of connections yeah and it, yeah yeah and i mean this touches on sort of the wider kink community because even before we had the terms like polycule we had things like leather houses and they are a form of polycule. They are based around one or two people and their various relationships connecting them around that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
yeah. um, I definitely have a more to say about poly and the king community and like leather houses mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But we still have the the notes to, to run through. So, yeah. Chris, did you want to go through? Sure, sure. The last couple options of like hierarchical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that talking about the leather kink houses and such things that actually does bring into the whole hierarchical aspects of things because you'll have the, the relationships where you have your romantic partner, and then suddenly one of the partners wants to pursue this kink side relationship of themselves, and through pursuing that sexual side, they develop more of a actual romantic connection, more of a deep connection with their sir or sub or such things and then it becomes more of a poly relationship because you have your partner previous and then this other partner now who's come in for this other side of you and then who knows there's maybe more other things that come in but the the key is is that when you identify these relationships it's good to talk amongst your partners about what they feel is the best way to connect. So like with our relationship, we're very non-hierarchical in that all the relationships are of the same level. There's, there's no one who's the prime partner or secondary partners or tertiary partners, but in a lot of polycule relationships, there's the prime partner, the person that they live with, the person that they spend the most time with, And then they have this other partner who they see maybe once a month or so on and such forth. And that that's, that's usually where it comes to with hierarchy and such things, but it it is very much a conversation to have with your partners going into the relationships. I mean, all all of these things like open, closed, monopoly, hierarchical or not, these are all things that you have to talk about and agree on with your partner. Yeah, I think in general, my experience is that like queer relationships where everyone is of the same gender and it's more equal tend to have iron hierarchical relationships and you'll form like a, a network, but everyone's kind of equal. And I feel like, and maybe this is, is overgeneralizing a bit as a queer mm-hmm. person, but I, I see hierarchical poly as being a very straight or hetero poly thing where you'll have maybe your wife or your husband that's your primary partner and you'll have a girlfriend or boyfriend, she's like a secondary partner, but not as important. You don't have the legal or financial ties to them. Maybe you'll have some tertiary yeah. partners as well that you, you see even less often. So I, I find that the hierarchical poly is, is fairly a, a hetero model. And typically in queer poly, you'll see non-hierarchical, but this is just like my experience. Obviously, anyone can do it any way they like. And, and there's lots of variants to choose from. Because like to, to what Catalyst was saying, I had somebody come to me saying, Chris, how, how, how do I approach this? Like I have communicated to my, my, my significant other, my husband that I really enjoy and I love them, but I want to try pursuing this other side of me because I recently found out I'm bisexual. Like I I really Mm -hmm. self figured that out. And so they went on and they, they pursued this and then they started dating. And so there was that like lower hierarchy of this is just a person I'm dating. And then it became, oh no, this is my girlfriend. And then as things progressed forward, it was just a regular constant communication of developing from that hierarchical to eventually a non-hierarchical style of relationship. So that's the thing. That's probably one of the biggest beauties of 
poly relationships or really any relationships is if you constantly are communicating, it's okay to change as you go through. That's totally fine. So, and yeah, like I know some people recently, like people have really started to talk about the sort of the language around polyamory, like primary partners and a lot of people dislike that because it gives sort of people worth and ranking. Exactly. That's why I don't like not like hierarchical poly. I, I think everyone should be equal and you should give your relationships equal weight as the best that you can, obviously, given circumstances. Like, you know, if you live together, inevitably you spend more time together, but that doesn't mean you have to call your other partners secondary. Yeah. Semantically devalue them. Yeah. And I can get why a lot of people dislike that. Mm-hmm. It's like I've been quite lucky in my sort of poly setup where I have my husband and my dom and my dom has his husband. So like, you know, our husbands get us for most of the time and like I've been happy to call it primary and second relationship, but I can also see like yeah. in my head that doesn't indicate worth. No, it, it has a lot more to do with creating the comfort within your relationship that makes it feel like you aren't like like they like you're not damaging the other relationships essentially you are communicating within each other that way to make each other feel as comfortable about it as possible and if everyone likes that communication then it's great very very awesome yeah I think this also touches on what we talked about before where people have a relationship where there are an expectation of timelines in relationship where there are certain markers you have to meet to validate the relationship like get like being called a girlfriend or a boyfriend or like moving in together or having a child and it's like in poly setups those markers often aren't always guaranteed in often like like a lot of people don't even want to broach them and yeah so in in Traditional relationships, you you have the the relationship ladder where you're going up the different rungs. You know, girlfriend, move in, engaged, married, kids. Mm. You know, so that there's all these these yeah, it's the timeline that you're progressing through, and everything is this very fixed track that you're on, and you're expected to hit these milestones. And with Polly, that does go completely out the window. You can limp with one partner and not another. You can marry a third either for romantic or, or legal green card reasons, yeah. whatever. And you can have kids or not and adopt or, or co-parent or, you know, so mm. you, suddenly it's not a, a fixed timeline or a railway that you're, you're stuck on, but you, you have options in different directions that you can go in. And even the sense mm-hmm. that you're together with someone on it on mm-hmm. forever, like on this timeline, you can also have more, transient or ephemeral relationships under poly you can you know be weekend boyfriends with someone that you meet on grinder on vacation and just enjoy a romantic relationship and and have it last a weekend yeah like and i think again so much of it is unlearning expectations there is this unfair thing of any time a poly relationship ends or changes like Critics of polyamory will take that as, well, clearly polyamory doesn't work. Except how many... Yeah. 
I, I, well, no relationships have failed before people found the person they said. What, what is the statistic? 50% of all, all marriages end in divorce or something. Yeah. And yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts on that, specifically yeah. when it comes to a lot of the language and things that I learned through communication. And actually that, 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 that's a really good point to jump into where we talk about, um, communicating with your partners, which is the, two different mindsets of either communicating in a parallel fashion or sort of in like a kitchen table round boardroom discussion, wherein depending on your comfort and the way you identify with your relationships, you in a poly relationship, it's a little bit more complicated because there's more people at the, the table. So sometimes it's best to have that communication where everyone can come in and sit down and talk about what their, their needs are, what they want out of the relationships and how they feel about each other as a way to really discuss it. But not everyone is as comfortable with that. And so maybe the idea of just having that parallel communication route where you have your communication of what communicating what your needs are. And then these other people are communicating what their needs are and everything works out in that system. There's yeah. no crossover intersections. So your partners don't meet each other in parallel quality. Yeah. Yeah. They like they are people you divide time for and like communicate one on one. That you have the partner that you are like communicating with, and then this other partner that you're communicating with, but these two partners don't have any interest in meeting each other, but you've communicated that and it's they're totally fine with it. Then that's that that's that sort of parallel communication versus the kitchen table where everyone's sitting down and discussing how they want to pursue the relationships. So Yeah. And like I think we need to really emphasize like how important open and honest and constant communication is in these sorts of situations. Yeah. And absolutely. Like, like if there is one thing like going through poly relationship has taught me is how to honestly and openly broach your feelings. Yeah. You have to be able to talk about like how you're feeling, what your needs are, if you're having problems. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's important to remember in all relationships, not just poly, poly, especially but all relationships mm-hmm. that just like when you're having sex, you can withdraw consent and, and the whole thing stops the same thing in a relationship. You can say, no, I, I don't, consent to this relationship anymore or i want to change from hierarchical to non or, or whatever you can say my preferences have changed can we talk about things we need to renegotiate yeah or that you know that 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 relationship ladder you might be like hey i really do love you and care about you but living together is a little bit difficult do you mind if we have separate still just yeah we will still have the relationship i just i need my own living space and yeah, a lot of people feel uncomfortable because they feel like that's taking a step back in the ladder, but it's just being open about what your needs are. Yeah. And like, if you're going to do this, I really recommend boning up on certain communication tools, like always use I statements, like you're responsible for your own feelings, your part, like within reason, your partners are not responsible for sort of your insecurities so far as like 
you can't accuse them of causing them. You have to be, I'm really making a mess of trying to describe this. It's sort of <laughs> like what I, what I usually recommend is any relationship. It is if you can and you have access to it and it's available to you. Mm-hmm. It is not the worst idea to go to a relationship counselor just to learn proper communication language between each other and just have that relationship counseling. Yeah. Because a lot of what you're saying, I'm like, yeah, this is very much like all covered in the relationship counseling language speak. Yeah. Like the example everyone always asks about is, so don't you get jealous or how do you deal with jealousy? And it, and it becomes a matter of, well, yes, jealousy and envy arise, but it's not my partner's responsibility to deal with that. I have to look inside myself and go, okay, what is the root of this jealousy? Is it because I have a need I am not getting fulfilled? And do I ask for that? How do we negotiate that I can feel better without me going, like just simply trying to shut down or control my other partner's interactions with other people. Yeah. Yes. Best example I have for that was when I started dating Catalyst. Mm. He and his other partner, Toby, had a once a week dating date night that they would do because mm. they would I lived with Catalyst and then they would have the date night. And I was not I, I was very new to poly relationships and being more communicative in a relationship. And yeah, eventually I sat down with Catalyst and I said, look, I, I just, I feel like I'm uncomfortable in this just because it's your date night and I'm trying to give you guys the space for it, but I'm also here and I don't want to interrupt it. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel awkward. So I got to actually sit down and have a conversation with Toby and Catalyst and it really cleared the air and helped clear out the the jealousies and such things because he had things as well that he wanted to talk to me about as catalyst's living partner and his feelings on the matter because apparently he also felt that same discomfort of writing what essentially was my living space Mm -hmm. but because we had that just 30 minute discussion it became so much better and yeah really 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 great and that kind of led to me learning this the, the, the new poly terminology, which is compersion. Catalyst, can you just define it better? Because I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna mess it up and <laughs> it was, it's, so most emotional states we we split into binaries. We have love and hate, you know, mm. joy and sorrow and, and that kind of thing. So for jealousy, the the flip side to that coin is what we call compersion, which is where you're you're watching your partner interact with another one of their partners and it's like feel jealous you feel joy at it's sort of a, a vicarious joy at their own happiness and, and what they're experiencing yeah so essentially the inverse of jealousy yeah yeah and i it can be difficult to start with but it it comes naturally to some people but i i find that's rare but i also think that if you if you think about it and you focus on the positive feelings that your partner is going through and, and you imagine how it feels for them, that you, you can sort of like learn or, or train yourself to, to enjoy conversion as a feeling. And obviously you do have to address jealousy and envy first. I think that those are big roadblocks to achieving that. And like you were saying, I think most of the time it is an unaddressed need or insecurity or something 
that you need to talk about that's not being met. And and once that, that need is being met or, or you, you have the security blanket that you need, that everything feels better and you can, you can do more. Yeah. And I mean, to that end, the best way I can, that, that helped me wrap my head around it, which might help other people is when you have a really good friend and mm-hmm. you get to meet, you get, you find out that they've started dating someone and they want to introduce you to this person and you get to see how much this person lights up their life and makes them feel really good Yeah, and really watch as they're, they, they, they just have this joy in them. It's the same, that, that is the best way to uh, express it. Yeah. Seeing someone else happy that makes you happy, like taking joy in your friend's happiness and in this case, your partner's happiness. And the thing Absolutely. is that the, the relationship between you doesn't change. Like you still have that joy, that, that wonderful love. It's just, you get to watch your partner who you really love have this really awesome. I'm just getting all beam in. yeah Yeah. and we talked about how some people feel this more naturally than others and i think that's a good point we like it's my personal belief that i do feel certain people are much more like naturally polyamorous and other people come to it through sort of learned experience can you speak to that a little bit our experience as well. For me, discovering polyamory was like a big eye opener. Like this, it was discovering the word for this thing that I didn't know that I'd been missing my whole life. And I had definitely had problems, right? I had had monoamorous open relationships and I was able to sleep around and that wasn't a problem. Or even when I was like in a closed sexual relationship and I wasn't sexual with other problems. The issue that my romantic partners would have is they would accuse me of emotional cheating because I was, I was too close to romantic, too cuddly with, with friends I had yeah. that I was also very close to. And it would make them jealous, even though we weren't having sex or doing anything else. It was, it was emotional cheating is what they called it. Um, so when I discovered polyamory and I was like, Oh my God, I can finally not emotionally cheat on people anymore. This is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, Chris, I think your experience is a little different than mine. Yeah. You're the other side. Yeah. Well, I mean, so for me, I was very much raised on the nuclear family relationship ladder and so on and such forth. And that you will know your, you found the one because they fit all the different parts of your life and that they, they are that person. But for me, it was more of a, I, I, I would have my monoamorous partners. And then I would feel that, that, that need for another connection or I would meet somebody and I'm like, okay, this person also is really interesting and wonderful, but I, I have my other partner and then I start comparing the two of them and I'm trying to weigh it out. I'm, do I continue in this relationship that I really enjoy and try a relationship with this other person who I enjoy their company and want to spend time with them, but and then I met Catalyst at a campground, a gay camp camping trip, and he told me this word polyamory. And I'm like, tell me more <laughs> about it. <laughs> and we had a, a nice long talk about it. And I I I'm like, yeah, that that done. That is that that is a very good way of 
explaining it and such things. And it became a lot easier once yeah. I was able to identify that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm polyamorous. I, I can love multiple people. Yeah. It's, I mean, in my experience, like I kind of always knew I was poly. I was like, if I have a husband or a boyfriend, I would probably also have a sir just because I've learned like having a dominant and be my like mm. main partner does not work for me. <laughs> but my husband, when I met him, he like had only ever been in monogamous relationships, like well, willingly he had been cheated on, which caused issues when I said like, well, if we're going to date, I need to know up front, I will be polyamorous. But then like two years ago, he just turned around to me and said like, it's weird. I can't like, I can't think of having any other sort of life now, now that I see the options before me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, like one of, one of my relationships, one of my partners is monoamorous and he's, he's thought about it. He's, he's fully researched it and everything. He's the one who actually told me about the Norwegian poly community. He's good. He was good friends with the, the head of the organization. So he's, he's really done introspective work onto this and realized that no, he is, he, he has only a mono romantic connection towards one person at a time. And he really is happy about it, but he also fully got like, we, we've had a lot of conversations about this because he came into the relationship knowing that I have other partners and we've had a lot of talks where he would open up about his feelings and we became, we found out ways to communicate in a way that he is very happy now in this relationship and still getting the attention that he feels, even though I'm his only partner. So that's, yeah. So the answer is, is that you, you can be mono. It's, Mono amorous. I, I yeah. we we just we just learned this word about an hour or what way? No, I you, <laughs> yeah. you did maybe. I I just learned this this word an hour ago <laughs> when we were talking about this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, you you can be mono amorous and still date a polyamorous person as long as you have the open communication that you feel that your needs are being met in the way that you yeah. want them to be. So. But yeah. yeah, so right, so yeah, so talking about identifying as poly, I've now moved on to mm -hmm. the stage where I identify actually as a, a relationship anarchist. So relationship anarchy is w one of the other subtypes of poly, I guess, that we haven't talked about, and it's I guess mm -hmm. sort of the least structured option. Um, it's mm -hmm. definitely very equivalent to sort of a non-hierarchical open poly in the sense that you you're open to new relationships you're you're not higher you're not yeah. ranking your partners in a hierarchy um but the relationship anarchy is even a little bit more chaotic in that you know i i let all of my relationships develop independently naturally in in the way that they do and if i feel a spark or a connection with a new person. I, I like to just yeah. dive in and go for it and, and build new relationships. And we have moved around the globe a few times. So I've also had some, you know, relationships expire because we were no longer in the same city, maybe or the same, same time zone, but it, it's nice. So I, I'm a relationship anarchist now. Um, and then that brings us 
to another point that I like to talk about is, is what even are labels and for relationships? And so like we like to call people boyfriend or partner, and that means a certain thing to people. But you can also have a lot of the same functional relationships where you, you have romantic love for people, you go on dates, maybe you cohabitate, maybe you don't. But you don't have to call it that necessarily. You can call it what you want. You can call it a friendship or a fuck buddy or a friend with benefits. You know, so there's options for even just how you label things. And I definitely at this point have, I have like three formal partnerships where like we've, we've talked about it. We have very established formal relationships. But I also have what I think of as my, my demi partners where, you know, I've said, I love, like, I love you to them. They've said it back to me. We, we like to hang out. Maybe we have sex. Maybe we haven't. And we definitely love each other and we have a relationship, but it's not like a formalized one that we've talked about necessarily. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a puppy that I like or mm-hmm. a dominant that I played with a few times that I feel very close to. So you, you can move into the stage of, you know, why do you have to formalize a relationship or, you know, you, you can move into this area where you just kind of love people and you, you have love and sex and people in your life in different ways and combinations and flavors. And you, and you just sort of like take it all as it is and you enjoy all of it. Yeah. And you know how we, right at the start, we was talking about how a lot of people, when they get into poly, hear things for the first time and it's a light bulb moment of going, oh, that's an option or, oh, that's a thing. Yeah. I had never heard the term demi partners before. Yeah. But it's just gone off in my head several people who like that works where they're not partners, but they're more than friends. Yep. And it's like, I now have this word for them. Yeah, I have demi partner. partners. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I have, I have many yeah. partners all around the globe. Yeah. And so more uh, vocab. Chris, what is a metamor? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I mean, we, we, we talked about, you know, how, you know, there's the typical triad kind of thing where everyone's dating each other, but yeah, that's, that's a lot harder to come by. But uh, like, for example, with you and your husband and then you and your dom, they're not together. So what they would be is they would be considered metamors, which is it's your partner's partner. So you know who they are, you know, they exist you don't have that romantic or sexual or any sort of relationship to them beyond that. They are your partner's partner. Now, again, that's not saying that your metamor can't be someone who's interesting to talk to go grab a coffee and such things, but they're, they're not someone that you're pursuing a romantic connection with. They are by almost definition, that platonic relationship to you, but more of a romantic relationship to your partner. So it's a, it's a really, really neat experience because, again, in our polycule, if you go down the chain, I have a lot of, well, I have my metamor has a partner who's has a partner who has a partner who has a partner. And I know who all these people are, yeah. very nice people, but I have no connection to them other than this chain sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like sometimes you're in the same friendship group. S- to go very stereotypical, often you're in the same D and D group. <laughs> yeah, Polly. Yeah, best way to form a D and D party. Oh, I yeah. think Toby has. They still uh, can't organize a single night to do it on. <laughs> Toby has a weekly D and D party that has gone on for more than a decade. 
uh, they just go through different campaigns. It's incredibly impressive. Yeah, um, that is impressive. The longest I've managed is four years. Yeah. No. I, I think there's this guy I follow on on Instagram who talks about poly relationships, and he, he has a, a T-shirt that says, you know, I'm I'm trying to assemble a full D and D party. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Or adventuring party or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> so there was a little factoid I dug up when looking at met- facts about Metamore. There's actually an international Metamore's Day, uh, which is February 28th. June's after Valentine's. Yep. It, it's literally yeah. the numerical double of Valentine's. Oh. Um, yeah. And it's a day apparently where you celebrate and acknowledge your partner's partners. Well, there we go. Now, now I got to go find a card for that. Yeah. yeah. Write a lot of postcards. <laughs> we have a lot of metamores. We, we, we should, we should write into Hallmark and be like, can you start making the metamore day? They probably already do, knowing. <laughs> and that'll be the next Hallmark Christmas movie is to start doing some poly. <laughs> a metamore for Christmas. Oh my God. Well, so actually, that brings me into a pet peeve that I would like to talk mm-hmm. about. In media, you see this trope all the time where you have, you know, the main character is deciding between two partners. Boy meets two girls. Girl mm-hmm. meets two boys. Oh my God, I have to pick. How do I pick? How do I pick? It is such a common trope in media. And it's always, you have to decide. There's never the option of poly. Let's just date both of them. Or even just like trying things out. As soon as you try one and then go back to the other, that was like, ooh, a bad arc. Like, why did you do that? And then yeah. you went back to the good partner. Uh, yeah. So that that's a huge pet peeve for me in media is you see it all the time. As soon as you're polyamorous, it, I think it drives you crazy. Yeah. You see it all the time in media and you're like, oh, this is the whole storyline. The romantic storyline is choosing between two people. Great. Yeah. So and, sitting there watching Hallmark Christmas movies with Catalyst is, is the best because you hear under the breath, this is so stupid. Mm, why, why don't they just date each other? Obviously, they all think they're each other's hot. Just, yeah. Fuck. It's all good. And obviously, that's there because it's an easy and cheap way to create story tension. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so overused. <laughs> it is. But, like, yeah. it's massively yeah. overused, especially from like, like teen like teen literature. Yeah. It's like the go-to thing to have a love triangle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, even that's so changing. A lot of independent like literature and books are actually bracing. Well, no, they just become a polycule in the end. And even what was it? For me, it was TV show. true blood. It, it, it was really exciting for me in true blood because there's this one point where I forget what the main character's name is. The girl, she's trying to choose between these two vampires and she's having this sort of dream sequence where she's she's having the conflict of the two of them together. And she's like, wait a minute, why do I have to choose? You know what? Why don't I just have both of you? And I'm like, oh, yes. Yes. So she kind of, they, from then on, just sort of is like, you know, I'm me. I know what I like. I like both of you. You guys can figure this out how you want to share me. And I'll happily help you with that. But. I'm not going to stop this at all. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Yeah, great. Riverdale, that's the one I was trying to think of. Oh, they do in Riverdale. Yes. At the very end of Riverdale, Archie, Veronica, sorry, spoilers, but like, yeah. Archie, Veronica, and Betty basically just agree to be in a polycule because they're just going to go back and forth for the rest of their lives. They were a love triangle, the whole, that was the whole story. Yeah. 
I'm glad they finally resolved it that way. Good. Yeah. Great. After, like, they had the witches and the third cult and the meteor, the witch had to use the lesbian power of love to defeat. Like, that show is insane. It is insane. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have to look into this. Yeah. But reading those comics growing up, I was like, the back and forth, Archie, just figure it out. Just figure it out. Yeah. So yeah, one of the notes we have is Polly in the kink community. Polly in the kink community and romantic BDSM. Mm-hmm. So I definitely do a lot of BDSM play. And I mean, I, I'm perfectly happy to do a scene with any, you know, sir or submissive, some switch that I, I, you know, find along the way that I like. But I also do enjoy having romantic BDSM relationships as well. So I've previously had a, a beta puppy who was my boyfriend and we were dating. I lasted five years. We broke up a couple of years ago. And right now I'm owned by a master handler. So I also have a, mm-hmm. I have another BDSM romantic relationship, but in the other direction where I'm now the submissive one. And I do think, so like you were talking previously, how your dom and your husband are different people. Mm-hmm. And I think this is how polyamory pops up in the, in the king community quite so often is, is your, your master, your sir, your boy, your slave, your gimp, your puppy are all probably different people and not the same as your, your boyfriend or your husband or your long-term partner. And that's one of the nice things about polyamory is that you, you don't have to find that one true partner, that soulmate who satisfies your every need or every interest. You yeah. can have different people who interact with you in different ways. And that becomes especially important in kink and BDSM play because everyone has very specific, particular kinks and desires or scenes that they want to fulfill so like i we're both very kinky people chris and i believe me but he's very into like hypno kink and and stuff where we have completely diverging interests where we're playing in different scenes we're both very different kinky people but we we have very different interests so we we have a a romantic sexual relationship but we don't actually do we hardly ever do bdsm play together no uh, Uh, that's usually something we do with other people it it, it was it was a very fun exciting time when catalyst invited me to the puppy parties and i got to see him play and i I remember i i i sat down with him like so what am i what are the rules what do i don't know and he's like just enjoy yourself you'll be invited to the things you don't have to do anything you want you could just sit there and just chat with people and it's okay and yeah just watching catalyst just go be pup and do his puppy thing with all the other puppies is a whole other thing and yeah getting all the different getting to see all of his different relationship dummy relationship things with different puppies was awesome yeah and just like you you talked about the leather houses so for puppies we we have puppy packs for example you'll have an alpha and some betas maybe they have a handler and and so you see the same sort of the BDSM family unit that forms and and maybe it's kind of a romantic love and maybe it's not. And you can call it whatever relationship you want. You can be a beta puppy or a boyfriend or both. And and so, yeah, I, this is where I, I think there's a huge overlap in, in between poly and kink. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was kind of having a discussion about this with someone the other night. It, it's interesting because I'm actually, me and my friend were always actually surprised when a kinky couple get together and they decide to be monogamous because, and we realized, oh, actually in the kink community, polyamory is almost seen as the default. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, that's the thing is, is that it, 
you have to have that communication. Communication is the best. Open mm-hmm. communication is the best. And it, it could be just that you have this sexual or this this sort of kinky relationship that you get to pursue and it feels best when you can only do it with one person that you have that person that you enjoy it with so yeah i i I can see how a kinky couple might be more monogamous or monoamorous and such things or or just even mono sexual with that yeah 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 yeah, no kink shaming, but it's in common. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't think it's hard to like just acknowledge that it's like in the kink community, like especially like gay male and that adjacent kink community, it is more the default. I, I think definitely. I think it's more along the lines of it's like finding the diamond of the rough from Aladdin, mm. finding someone who meets and connects and does all the things that you want to do like congratulations i i applaud you well done but again i'm coming from an aspect of looking at it from a polyamory side I, i i i couldn't but i can also see how someone would and congratulations well done yeah so what does polyamory like to sort of sum this up, what does polyamory mean to you too? I guess I'll start. So like I said, it was, it was a big eye opener for me when I, I discovered poly It was very freeing for me to, to suddenly have the, the emotional freedom to, to say, I love you and mean it to multiple people in a romantic way to explore having multiple partners. And yeah, so it, it's been a huge, great experience for me, a very positive. I mm-hmm. definitely wouldn't go back. And, and poly to me means like I, I have a lot of partners who are very nerdy. All my partners are very nerdy, but we all have, you know, different tastes in board games and video games. And it's just like the different tastes in kinks and fetishes. I have, you know, a, a boyfriend that I play RPGs with and a boyfriend that I play other games with. And, and it, so poly to me means that you, you don't have to have all this pressure on you to fulfill all the person's wants or needs like if my partner has some need or interest that i can't fulfill or, or, or don't feel interested by personally I, I can say well please feel free have all the freedom to go to fill this but please just for someone else and that is so that to me is one of the core things of poly is is loving someone to me means letting them go and if they love you too they'll come back to you and if they yeah. didn't well then it didn't work out yeah, I, I I fully agree with Catalyst on on all those fronts. And the only thing that I'll add to it is just that to me it was being able to let go of trying to find that perfect puzzle piece person to mm-hmm. fit in. And that instead I now get to build a full puzzle of my yeah. romantic interests and such things. And in learning about polyamory the 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 i forget so we talked about it at the beginning the the self-love romantic love kind mm-hmm. of thing that is that is where the i gay? discovered it okay yeah well <laughs> the 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 the, uh, gay, the gay one is the, the that that deeper connection or something but very very intense love the the self-love now that i have for myself because i'm no <laughs> longer trying to fit other people's needs that was the best part for polyamory for me and not needing to try and find that person. Yeah. 
So I see we're coming up to time, and that feels like a good natural place to leave it. But I get the feeling this conversation isn't over. We've not touched on half the points we could have, and I get the impression people will have a lot of questions. If you do have questions or there's a topic we touched on but you want us to go into more detail to, please feel to write in. We are Kinky Boys Pod across many social medias. We also have Kinky Boys Podcast at Gmail if you wish to write in a question to our email. We also have Speaker Pipe on our website. So yeah, if you have any questions, write in. We will be definitely be coming back to this in a second episode. But for tonight, thank you chris and catalyst for coming on you've been amazing it's been great talking to you um so yeah as always listeners play safe